Amen, amen, amen. And uh, it's a joy to worship together. And the kids, you are dismissed to go to your class. And isn't it an awesome time and experience to worship together as a church family? All ages coming before the throne of God, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's what we're all about here at Harvest. We're all about Jesus Christ. Him magnified, Him glorified, and seeing Him through and through each and every day. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2 if you want to get a head start. Uh, that's where we're going to be today as we continue our from start to center. And it's exciting to see how God is continuing to move in a, in a big way. My name is Dan Hammer. I have the privilege of being the senior pastor here. And what's been amazing to see over the last several weeks is God is moving, is he not? And uh, over the last eight or so years of this church, there are just every movement, a movement is made up of moments. And we're at one of those moments in a very good way where God just has his hand and he is working. And praise God for that. He's working in each of us in different ways and different shapes and sizes and forms. But God is working and each and every week new folks are coming. And so if this is your first week here, I want you to know that we love you and we would love to get to know you. In fact, we have a, we have a opportunity right after church called Step 2. There's lunch provided. There's room for you. We'll make room for you. And if you, if you haven't had plans beforehand, we'd love for having you to stay and get to know us a little bit and see what God is doing here, experiencing just the goodness of God and his grace. Uh, thank you. So, we're excited to see how God continues to build his church in every way, in every season, and in every situation. Amen. So I want to give you a, a brief, I know we've talked about in the fall, a little bit of a quick financial report for how God is working in our midst. And I just want to say one, praise God uh, for how he continues to move. We're going to look, talk a lot about mission today, but the reality is, is God's mission requires God's resources. And, and last uh, August as we headed into our new ministry year, our new fiscal year, which is September through August. So we're about, we're five months in now. Uh, our elders with our, our treasurer, Gord Vossler, set our, our budget at, uh, based on where we were last year at $28,500 a month. So there, there's a whole lot of levels of, of news this morning here very quickly. Here's, here's some not so good news. Through December, we were about 15, a little bit more than that thousand behind the budget. Okay. Not so good news, right? Here's the good news on actual giving. And because our our staff and our ministry leaders, you guys have been so faithful, so thankful for that. We are actually have brought in more money in tithes, offerings, and giving than we have spent. So thank, praise God, amen, for that. So that's awesome. You know, so we have, praise God for that. And thank you for your faithful stewardship. And so here, and here's the, the greater news. The best news, God is faithful in and through every single situation. And so as, as we met as an elder team and processed with our, our, our treasurer, Gord, I'm so thankful for him and his work. We just, from a heart of stewardship, which is our commitment, we, we wanted to really get the budget down to where we actually are. Um, and so as of Friday, we approved to, to reduce the budget by $3,000 a month down to $25,500 a month. And so um, we're working really, really hard to steward that and to advance the mission. And, and just so thankful for that. And thank you for your faithful giving um, in every way. But I just do want to continue to ask that, and that we would all prayerfully go, man, God, what would you have us give back to you out of a heart of worship to the work that God has? Now, we are going to continue to advance the kingdom here. Um, but we want to continue to be ready and, and able to respond to any and every kingdom opportunity that God gives us. We're in a healthy overall financial position, um, but if God has called, this is your church home in, in whatever way you would say that, um, we would love for you, and, and Christ teaches us in his word to give and to give generously to his work. And so again, praise God for what he's doing, amen? He's moving and building his church. Now, generous hearts lead to multiplied kingdom opportunities. They really do. And we're going to see that today in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, we're going to see the, the multiple kingdom opportunities and generosity comes in the shape of being generous with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, with the truth, and with people. 
People are resources, are they not? Our best people. And as we think about missional multiplication, which is the heartbeat of what the message is and the heartbeat for God's church, I want you to know that eight years, about 10 years ago, coming up, man, we're getting old. Um, when God gave this dream and this calling to Ann and I to plant this church, he put a, a, a seed that grew into a, a searing notion in my heart and in my mind that God wanted us at Harvest to be a disciple-multiplying, missionary-launching church nestled in one of the most influential places in the world, in the shadows of Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, with every government agency, every military operation that you can imagine here, that we have the privilege to make and multiply disciples that will literally change the world on a daily basis, like literally. What an opportunity we have, amen? And now God is answering that, and he's answering it in ways that I might not have expected and or frankly along the way like. Like, we're a very transient church. It's hard to see a lot of people that I love dearly go to places like Hawaii and England and Florida and Texas, and, you know, you get the picture. Um, but praise God that we get to send out my disciples and missionaries on the government's dime. Awesome. <laughs> Jesus builds his church. Amen. He builds his church. And we're going to see that today. And I believe that as, as we look at this fifth message in the series of six, as we've turned the corner and as we look at start descent and what is each of our next step in following the Lord as a disciple of him. And we started in the first three or four weeks to look at what does it look like to start a relationship with Christ? And then what does it look like to grow in our relationship with Christ, to become more like Christ as, as we walk with Christ and worship Christ and work for Christ on a daily basis? Last week, pa Pastor Andrew did a phenomenal job of leading us through, through the, the, the calling and the commitment of what does it look like to commit ourselves to the body of Christ? And today we're going to look at what does it look like to live sent on the mission of Christ, that Christ has given each and every one of us as his gospel ambassadors and sent us into a mission field of the neighborhoods to the nations of the gyms that you work out at, to the jobs that you spend time at, to the schools of the, the, uh, where you walk, and to the neighborhoods with which you live. We are on mission. We're going to see that God has an amazing plan to change the world by the power of his grace through us and the power of the gospel in us. And by it, but it requires all of us. And by all of us, I mean, and God means, you know, all of us. Say all of us, right? Not some of us, but... All of us. And if you think God's talking to you, he is. I pray that he would silence my words and that he would flow. He has sent each. If you are a believer, John 20, 21, Jesus says, as the father sent me, so I send who? You. And you means you. It means you. It's not just for the professional people that get paid a paycheck to do this. All of us are called and sent for the glory of God, strengthened by the grace of God to live faithfully on the mission of God. God's put on my heart a prayer that we would grow. I think some significant next steps for us to grow as a church is for all of us to embrace this aspect. And then for some of us to step out and go, God has called me to be a church planter. God has called me to be a missionary. God has called me to go into vocational ministry. The dream of our church is to develop its next pastors. It's next church planners from within these chairs, not without these walls. And God does it differently each and every time. But if you're sitting here and going, oh man, I'm starting to get uncomfortable. Maybe he's talking to me. Well, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. But I don't ever want you to shut that valve off for what God might be doing in your heart. And if that's stirring, God's calling and God's timing aren't always the same thing. He might call you to something and 10 years later, he just through this progress, he does it. I want you to be open to it. God's calling us to be open to that. 
The local church is a biblical community that is not meant by God to be a to cruise ship for leisure, but a battleship on mission. Breaking through the darkness of culture with the light and the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. And our world needs hope, right? Our neighborhoods are dark. Our schools are dark. And you know what breaks through the darkness? The light and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know who carries that light and hope? You and I do. We are called by God and we are strengthened by God to live his, as his local church, as an embassy of eternity sent here into our neighborhoods and with the opportunity to eternal impact generations, operating the hope of salvation from God through us as we live as ambassadors for God in our neighborhoods. And I believe that we can and we will see lives changed, neighborhoods altered, families transformed by the power and the hope and the love of Jesus Christ as we are faithful to live sent on his mission. Amen? That's why we do what we do. This is who we are at Harvest. This is a calling not just for some of us. It's a calling for all of us. It is a calling, again, remember, go back to church. What is a church? It's a gathering of called out ones. So we are here collectively, but we're also here individually. And we will not reach full missional fruitfulness unless every single one of us decides to be and live for God with full wholehearted faithfulness. Jesus has sent us and we're going. Harvest is going. My question is, are you coming? Come with us. Here's a big idea for today. Faithful gospel application produces missional multiplication. This is a calling and a commitment. It's an opportunity and a responsibility. Faithful gospel application produces missional multiplication. We are a church is a place where we gather to scatter. Church does not end when we say you are loved at the end. In a lot of ways, you're actually going out onto your mission field then when you exit the doors of this church to go into your neighborhoods, to go into Wegmans, to go into your offices. We are gathered to, sent, to be sent because not only are you loved, but you're sent for the glory of God on the mission of God to make much of the name of God and to watch lives be changed by the power of the gospel and the grace of God. Amen. What a privilege and what an opportunity we have. That's our commitment. It fires me up and it fuels all of us to what God is doing. So would you pray with us now? And would you, my ask of you is that you would open your hearts to whatever God would have for you today. Father, I just thank you so much for the privilege of the mission of Jesus Christ. The mission that you have sent him on, now you send us on. The mission of Jesus saved us. The strength of God sanctifies us. And now your son of God, Jesus Christ, has sent us to live as your gospel ambassadors, to live sent, to multiply disciples, to plant churches, to strengthen leaders, to see more and more lives come to know you as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for that opportunity. I pray that you would just, just light a fire in our hearts out of a heart of worship to live on mission for you in a way that honors you and glorifies you because we want to exalt you, Jesus. I pray in these next few moments, you would silence our hearts and our thoughts and that you would speak and that we would respond, not in our own way, but pursuing your way to take our next step as followers of you to live on the mission that you have sent us on. God, we love you. In your name we pray.
Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. This passage has quick, has over time become one of my life passages. Um, and it's, it's, I, it's a beautiful passage that I love and, and that we aspire to live out. Paul is writing to Timothy chapter two, verse one through seven. And he says this, he says, you then, my child, Paul to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. They share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And now no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if you are desiring and if you're excited about, if you're willing to open your hearts about living on the mission of God, say, let's go. Well, since you insist, let's go. Come on. Um, in this final letter of what we have from the Apostle Paul, this is the last writing that we have. He's writing to his protege, Timothy, his son in the faith. Timothy is a young pastor, young as a relative term. We don't know exactly how old he is, probably in his late 20s, early 30s, somewhere in that realm, pastoring in a very influential church in Ephesus. Paul is, is most likely in jail when he's writing these things, and he knows that his life on this earth is coming to an end. And so when you think about what you want to say to the persons and people that you love most in this world, when you know that your time on earth is short, you don't really mince words, do you? So everything that we have here is Paul's like, Timothy, this is the most important thing that I could leave with you to carry on the mission and the ministry that we have started together. Paul is outlining in this text his own version of a disciple-making pathway and a leadership development pipeline as God builds his church in Ephesus that still applies to us now. And our Start Descent series, is our, and there are, there are copies of the, our own pipeline and leadership development pathway in the back that we had on the, that for you if you would like it. But we are looking to emulate the principles of what Paul is teaching us here. The key essential ingredient then and now to building God's church successfully and faithfully is not charisma. You can build a lot of crowds with charisma. Jesus isn't after crowds. He's after disciples. The key element is faithfulness. Faithful to God's word, faithful to God, faithful to God's mission, faithful to the gospel. Faithfulness is at, at its core means this. One who over time is willing to endure and persevere in a way of trusting completely in God. One who has demonstrated that they can be trusted fully by God and one who stands unapologetically, but loving on the truth of God. That's what it means to be faithful. You're trusting God in everything. And you have proven yourself over time that you can be trusted by God. Because we're going to see in this text that we are enlisted on a mission and we are entrusted with a mission. The question is, are you faithful with the mission? Are you standing on the word of God? to persevere on the mission of God when it's hard, when it costs you something, when it costs you everything. Because it costs Jesus everything. Now, all of us are looking for faithfulness in our life, are we not? If you're a parent, how, are my child being faithful? Can I trust them with the car? Can I trust them to make cereal on their own? Can I trust, you know, you get it, right? Employers, you're looking for faithfulness. Can I trust these people with the keys, literally, to my business? Can I trust them with the cash? 
Can I trust them to be in a leadership position, to execute what needs to get done? Military personnel, faithfulness, right? Are you faithful? Are you going to go AWOL? Or are you going to hang in there when it gets hard? When the bullets are flying, are you running from the fight or are you running to the fight? Faithfulness. Same thing spiritually. God is looking for faithful men and women. As believers individually and collectively, we are called to be faithful. Paul is teaching Timothy that faithful men, we are entrusted with a great opportunity and responsibility collectively and personally. So in this text, we're going to look at three different daily gospel applications because faithful gospel application produces missional multiplication. And the question that we should all ask ourselves that I've been asking myself all week is, am I faithful to this daily gospel application? Because if I am faithful to do this, God will produce the fruit. My job is to be faithful and God promises the fruit. It's in his word. So as we go through these three daily gospel applications that we see Paul exhorting Timothy and ask yourself, I ask myself individually, ask us for church collectively, am I being faithful to do this daily? Because it will produce fruit as God works in you and then God works through you. The first daily gospel application that we need to ask ourselves, am I being faithful to is this, live strengthened by the gospel. Look with me at verse one of chapter two. Before Paul says, go and do, he says, be. Being comes before doing. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say, go be strengthened by outside sources. He says, your source of strength for the mission that you've been called is found fully in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're Timothy, Timothy's been around the block. Timothy has been with Paul and known Paul for, for years, decade or more at this point. He has been with, with T- Paul on many journeys from continent to continent, country to country. He's now a pastor of a church. He has seen God do amazing things, break Paul out of jail in Philippi, heal people, seeing Paul, God work in phenomenal ways. And again, to the pastor, to the experienced minister, Paul says, I need to remind you where to get your strength. And that's the grace of God. Because friends, isn't it so easy to stop sourcing our strength in God? to not allowing the grace of God to be our strength. We find our strength in our own ability and we end up in the ditch quickly. We need to go back to the reality that you can never outrun your need for God's grace daily. I don't care how long you've known the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. And you are never too far away from God that God's grace can't save you. So if that's you right now and you're like, I I don't know Jesus. In fact, I've been running and rebelling. God's grace is sufficient for you. He loves you. He wants you to come home and save you because his son Jesus died on the cross for you, demonstrating that we are saved by God's grace through our faith, not by your works. But our strength for the mission comes from God. God's work can only be done by God's strength. Where are you sourcing your strength? What does it mean to, on a daily basis, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Well, Jesus teaches us that in his own words in John 15, 5, when he teaches us that you can sum it up in one word, abide. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me, you will what? Bear what? Much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? So if I'm trying to do God's work apart from God's strength, I can draw a crowd, I can be charismatic, but you know what that's going to produce? Nothing that will remain, nothing that will last because Jesus said so. 
But if I am in the vine, if I am in the word, if the source is Paul is telling Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ. Abide, anchor in, drop in, remain in when it gets hot, when it gets hard, when you don't want to go on, when you get hurt, anchor in the grace of God and remain in and then trust me with the fruit. Trust, because sometimes I get frustrated if the fruit, maybe it's just me, if the fruit isn't what I like. What? I've been praying for my coworker to come to Christ and they won't. And yet this person that is really annoying me wants to talk to me about Jesus. And I, I'm sort of hesitating, right? Because my focus is on what I, what I want and what I'm trying to tell God, this is my agenda. This is what I think you should do, God, right? Where I'm wrestling for control with God. You get that? Maybe you live in that. We don't control the fruit. I have fallen fall short in this and focusing on fruit that I think should happen and getting frustrated by that as opposed to just going, God, help me to be faithful, big or small, and trust you. If you want me to have oranges, great. If you want me to have apples, great. If you want the church to be five, great. You want to do 50, great. 500, great. 5,000, great. Glory be to God. Be faithful where God has called you and trust him with the fruit because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. Remain in, remain in, remain in. Because I need to remind myself of that, that the grace that saved me is the grace that strengthened me. Today, each day, each and every day. Now, what does it look like to be strengthened by the grace of God? Here are some signs that we, are, that we can see it look in our life. Today. Am I being strengthened by the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus? Or am I trying to source my own strength in self-help books, a more charismatic gospel presentation, now, we want to grow in all these things, but at its root core, am I strengthened by God? The sign of being strengthened by Jesus is that my identity is anchored in the person of Jesus and not my job position. Be strengthened in Jesus, whether you're a small group leader, whether you open a door for someone to come in the church, whether you're leading a Bible study of five or 10, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a lay leader, Jobs come and go, seasons come and go. Jesus never does. He always is there. Praise God for that. But how many of us are like, we tie our identity actually to the position in the church as opposed to the person of Jesus Christ? I either have a job that I don't want or I'm being asked to do a job that I don't want. <laughs> Where's your identity? A sign of being strengthened by Jesus is the humility of Jesus. To make it all about Jesus. It doesn't matter whether I stay or whether I go. We have to be very, very careful when we live on mission for the Lord to not make the mission about us and make it our thing. Love deeply, hold loosely. Paul is writing to his beloved child, right? Who is now in a different country. Some of us are like, my kid's not going to be a missionary because they're mine. Actually, they're God's. Let's get it right. First, before they're yours. No, I won't leave because those are my friends or I want to leave, but I, God wants me to stay. Or, you know, we, we begin to anchor ourselves in what we want as opposed to not my will, but whose be done? Yours be done. I want it to be about you, Jesus. I want it to be all about you, Jesus. Less of me, more of you. But how many of us, if we're honest, are tying our identity into our position or our place and we are lacking the humility that comes with the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus, where Jesus Christ looked to God himself and said, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me, but not my will, but whose be done? Yours. That's what living on mission is. Sign of being strengthened by Jesus Christ is the humility of Christ. 
and to be fully willing to live on mission wherever Jesus sends you, whenever he sends you, doing whatever he asks you to do with a joyful heart, with an open heart, an open mind, an open wallet, an open checkbook, an opened calendar. Timothy learned this from Paul. If you go back to Acts 16, Paul says, come on, Timothy. He's probably about a teenager at that time. Come on, let's go on mission. And the first aspect of their mission trip, they get on a boat and Paul's like, we're going to Asia to preach the gospel. Sound like a good idea? And in the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not. You're going to Macedonia. I'm going to shut that door. But I have the most altruistic goal to preach the gospel to people in Asia. God's like, that's great, but that's not my plan. Get on my plan. And they went to Macedonia. He was, Paul was willing to go and lay his plans down, have them ripped up to get on God's plan. Are you? Am I? That is a sign of being anchored in the strength of God's grace and following the leadership of Jesus Christ. They modeled it. Jesus did. Paul did. Timothy's doing it. Timothy isn't at Ephesus forever. Are you willing to do it? The foundation of my usefulness for Jesus Christ is my faithfulness to Jesus Christ, to submit, to surrender my heart, my life, my mind, my soul, my plans, my wallet, all of me daily. I want you to have a bigger vision, friends. God wants to use you, Ephesians 3, far greater than you could ever hope or imagine. And he wants to do it now. And he wants to do it later. When you begin to lay your plan down, sometimes God says no now for a better yes later. Do you trust him? Will you follow him? Are you faithful in the little things? Are you faithful when you are where you don't think you want to be or you're doing something you don't really want to do? We, see, we begin to see the fruit of gospel faithfulness in our lives when we live with daily biblical obedience, which produces missional fruitfulness. Where do you need to obey God? Where do you need to worship God? Where do you need to look for God? Faithful gospel application produces missional multiplication. God's the one that does it all day, every day. And he invites us to have the privilege of having a front row seat to participate on it. But sometimes we try to wrestle the steering wheel away from him, don't we? Let's get back on God's plan right now. Offer all of him, yourself to him. The second gospel application that we see in this text that is really important for us to help us multiply missionally is this. Multiplying disciples and leaders for the gospel. After you are strengthened by God's grace in the gospel, we are then called to multiply disciples and leaders for the gospel. Being comes before doing. And while in verse one, we see the source of the power of God, we now in verse two and three and four and five and six and seven, see the purpose of the power of God. God is sanctifying us, but he's also sending us. So Paul says, be strengthened, verse one, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And now he pivots in verse two and he says, and what you have heard from me, now that you have been strengthened, you are now sent, right? In the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He's saying, multiply disciples, develop leaders, all done by the strength of God, but all done on mission for God. We can't just be, I'm strengthened by God and I'm just going to sit in my holy huddle. No, we, we need to live out on mission. Some of us 
are scared to do that. Some of us are hesitant to do this. Some of us are, are feeling like we're inadequate to do that. We need to continue to daily strengthen ourselves to live on mission. How many of you have ever been to like a gold's gym, right? Or maybe you're doing it right now, right? God in this text is calling you to go to God's gym every day, right? Where you take the Bible and you're bench pressing the Bible every day. You're doing curls of God's character. God is with me. God is for me. Therefore, I can go and entrust this ministry to faithful men. I can die to myself and let God take over. I'm doing, I'm just continuing to work out on a daily basis to get the strength to live on the mission God has called us to. We are called to steward the responsibility that God has given us. Paul challenges Timothy. He's like, as you saw me teach you and hand ministry over to you and empower you, I'm calling you to do that for others also. To not just give a command, but to literally empower. Paul is working and encouraging Timothy to multiply disciples. To entrust not just responsibility, that word is right there in the text, right? To, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust, verse 2. Give away ministry. To not just, uh, not just the responsibility, but also the proper authority. But not just to anybody, right? Does he say, do this to everybody that, anybody that calls themselves believers? Does he say, do this to anyone that says, raises their hand and say, I want to do this? No. What's the qualification right here? Entrust to who? What's the next word? Faithful. Men. Now the men here, this is an important aspect. This men, when you go into the Greek, the word for men has act, can actually be used for men and women in other contexts. And so this text is not speaking exclusively to just men. The calling is faithfulness. When we're looking for small group leaders or ministry team leaders, when we're looking for church planters or pastors, what are we looking for? Faithfulness. Over and over and over again. Not all men, but faithful men. Not just people who want the position, but people who have the posture of humility and faithfulness. Missional multiplication requires both wholehearted commitment and a willingness from both the disciple and the discipler. Paul is like, as I have discipled you, Timothy, find those men that you have discipled or start to disciple and hand over not just my word, but my ministry. Because Timothy, I don't know how long you're going to be at F in this place. In fact, at the end of the letter, Paul's like, hey, Timothy, could you come visit me? Could you come see me? It's not a lifelong position that he has there in Ephesus. But that's the question that we have here. Are you faithful? When we go, we're looking for small group leaders. When your name is brought up, is faithful next to your name. Or not? And if not, why not? Faithfulness is marked not just by biblical information, but by biblical transformation through careful observation and God, daily gospel application. It's developed over time. How do, you, how do you develop faithful women? You work at it. How do you develop faithful women? You work at it. That's why I'm so thankful for the work that God is doing here. About a year ago, we had a men's breakfast. And I'll remember it clear as day. One of our guys, newer guys, walked into that and looked at another guy and said, is anybody discipling you? He goes, no, you want to meet at Panera on Tuesday? Yeah. And you know what? They did. And God's taken that spark and he's lighting a flame that has gone into other men. And we're seeing it now with our ladies at the ladies Bible study. God is beginning to do a phenomenal work at this church. Come join us. But it takes a commitment from the disciple and the discipler 
Are you willing to do it? It takes a humility to find someone a little bit further down the path than you in life on their spiritual journey and say, hey, would you pour into me? Paul says, as you've seen me do, Timothy, to you, do so for others. Faithfulness is a foundation of missional multiplication. In, this, in these two verses, verses one and two, I love it. We see what I call missional math. We want to change the world for Jesus Christ, right? We want to fulfill the Great Commission. That happens one person, one story at a time. But here we don't see addition, we see multiplication. You'll see this picture on the screen behind me of what is happening here with Paul and Timothy. You see Paul to Timothy, right? And then Timothy to faithful men, and then those men are going to turn it and go to others, I love this. This is why in all of the discipling relationships we have, especially in the movement that's happening within the guys right now, the challenge is don't just stay here, find other guys to do it as well. Because in our lives, we should have a Paul that's pouring into us and we should have as as a Timothy and we should have as Timothy's, we should be pouring into others who can pour into others. So if you look at that chart, you look in the text, how many different generations of discipleship are there? There's at least four, Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men who can then teach and do what? others. You could argue that there's five because there were, if you go back to Acts 9 and 10, you see that others were pouring initially into Paul because Paul used to be far away from the Lord, right? Until, but God, and maybe that's you this morning, but God changes everything. What does it mean to be a discipler? It means this te- what this text demonstrates, two things. You pour your life into other people. Paul looked at Timothy and said, you, my child, like there's a relationship there, right? There's a heart connection there. There's life on life. They've lived life together. Paul said, come on, Timothy, you're coming with me and where I'm going, get on my hip. We're getting in a boat. We're going country to country. It's going to be crazy, but God's going to be glorified and we're all going to learn along the way. It's living life together. And you see the other aspect is this, teaching people God's word. Along the way, we're not just living life, but we're doing it intentionally. We're diving into the word of God to live on mission for God together. And so when you layer those components together, that's discipleship at its core. And when you, uh, there's another chart I want you to see about the impact of this. And again, missional math, because I can't do all of this myself. Our elders can't do all of this myself. To do discipleship in a real way, you can only do it with two or three people at the same time because you want to get in the heart, right? But look at this chart. This chart demonstrates this. Imagine you were an evangelist and you, had, you, were, you committed yourself and you share the gospel every single day and you saw one person come to know the Lord every single day of the year, 365 people, right? That's awesome. Praise God, right? Now look at that comparing to disciple making and say you committed your life to multiply one disciple a year who multiplies all the disciples. And look at the impact of this, right? So me and this other person meet and that's two for one year. And then at the end of the first year, we say, we're going to each grab another guy, right? So you go from two to four. And then the third year, everybody's doing the same. You go from four to eight. Now look at the cascading impact over 15 or 16 years. Over 16 years, 65,000 disciples are made. Isn't that awesome? all because you're willing to make one disciple a year. Is that doable? You multiplying yourself one person every year. Can you do it? Yes. Better question, will you do it? Think about the impact this church could have if a few of us began to grasp this and do it. Now think about the impact that this church could have if all of us committed our lives to doing this. We want to walk with you to do this. If you're interested in this, come find me. Come find Pastor Andrew. Let's get after this. We can connect with some other people. Ladies, talk to Stephanie. Talk to Anne. Let's get after this. Because look at the impact, right? God is working. People need the Lord. There are different curriculums to use. There are different models. It all starts in a heart 
of a gospel daily application that I'm committed to making and multiplying disciples. Follow me as I follow Christ. We can do this. Faithful biblical stewardship requires faithful missional ownership. We're looking for faithful leaders. The question is, is that you? Is that me? So how do we know if we're ready for kingdom responsibility? Because part of this aspect is embracing kingdom responsibility. It's moving from a a seeker to, okay, I'm here, and then I'm going to be a doer, and then I'm going to move to being an owner, right? It's one thing to serve on a ministry team and to be able to call out sick and do other things. It's another thing to go, oh, I'm leading it. Now I actually have to have responsibility, bear weight, fill in the gaps, stand in the, you know, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Praise God for all of us that are at different portions, but what would it take for you to take a next step from being a spectator, okay, to being an owner, from being a consumer to being a contributor? God's calling. Are you willing? He's calling all of us to own this mission. Different times, different ways, different seasons. But how many of us are just along for a joy ride when Jesus says, come on, lay down your life and follow me? Here are five facets facets of faithfulness. Ask yourself, am I ready today for kingdom responsibility? And if not, what's the next step to take? The first is this in this text. Character. This is what faithfulness means. Character. That's what you see. Verse two. The word faithful is character. Character trumps charisma every single time. Amen. Every single time. What is character? Is an ongoing intentional pursuit to become more like Christ. All of us fall short. I'm at the top of that list. We all need God's grace. But am I pursuing? Am I growing? Am I different today than I was yesterday? And some days it's three steps back, right? Praise God for his grace. But then do I get up and continue to move forward in seeking the Lord? Faithfulness is more focused on investing what you do than worried about what you don't have, what you do have. It's serving where you are instead of focusing on where you aren't. Faithfulness is not contingent on your job description, but it's on your heart position. Character is your spiritual resume. It's not as much what you've done, but who you are in Christ and who you're becoming. God wants your heart. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? Second area is this, is is conviction. When you look at the text, who will be able to teach others? Do you have, are you able to teach, not just from a capability perspective, but from a doctrinal perspective? Is your doctrine in alignment with what God, is it correct? Is it in alignment with what God's word teaches? Do you have the ability to teach correct doctrine? We would love to help you grow in that. We want you to be committed to that, but are you have that ability? Do you have the convictions of the gospel on, especially on the essentials? Because that is a huge component of faithfulness. Is gospel alignment, correct theology. Third is competent. Are you, comp- are you able to teach? Teach groups of one, five, 10. Are you willing to teach? Different ones of us have different abilities and different perspectives, but are, and you can grow in this area. Can you correctly handle God's word? Again, we would love to equip you and train you. And as has been said before by others, charisma and competency might get you in the door to a leadership position, but character will keep you there. Commitment. Verse three, share in suffering. Like you got to be committed. Ministry is hard. Mission is hard. You will hurt. You will be hurt. Amen. Can I get an amen to that? Right? You can't live with messy people, sinful people, included all of us, by the way, and not get hurt. That's where the grace of God comes in. It's about the gospel. But are you willing to persevere? Or are you going to fish and cut bait when it gets hard? 
Are you going to lean in to the gospel and anchor into what God is? Are you committed to the mission? It's not easy, but it's worth it. And if you ever struggle with that, literally look to the cross. We can sing, I want to follow Christ. Christ's call, I love you, I have to say this because God says this, is to die. It's not to be, it's to count the cost. And Jesus says, you're not going to have a place to lay your head. It's going to hurt. People are going to hate you. You're going to leave. You're going to reject it. You still want to come? And I ask you that this morning. Do you want to go? Do you want that? And some of the honest answer is no right now. Praise God you're here, right? You're welcome here. My prayer is that God would move you in a step to see that he is worth it and worthy of it all. And that is, there is no greater return on investment and that he will walk with you in the mess. He will heal your hurt, but you have to continue to open your heart to be willing to be hurt, to love, to care. Because Jesus did, right before he went to the cross, he was sold out by Peter. He was betrayed by Judas. Peter said, I don't know that guy. Judas literally sold him out. Jesus loved him anyway. He died for him anyway. Part of this whole commitment aspect too is there's the reality of capacity. Sometimes you want to serve in a role of bear king, but it's just not the right season of life, right? And that's totally normal. That's totally okay. There's an illness in the family. There's a, you're going to be TDY'd off to somewhere else for six months. Okay, great. But that's, it's the heart is willing, but it's just not the right season. And as we evaluate faithfulness in all areas, we have to be really careful to not make a character issue what is really a, what is really a capacity issue. You know what I mean? As we love people. Oh, that person can't just do the job. They never show up when they have a really devastating thing happening at home. But part of disciple making is knowing your people and caring for them in that way. Fifth and finally, the facet of faithfulness that we see here is chemistry. When you go back to verse one, Paul says to Timothy, my child, like there's this intimate relationship. Are you willing to knit your heart and life together with people on a heart level? doesn't mean you're all going to be BFFs. Like Thomas likes the Eagles. We struggle over that, right? <laughs> but I love them anyway. Hmm. Um, and because I love them, I might root for them next week. Um, <laughs> Well, that's the reality. Like, we don't have to see eye to eye on absolutely everything, but our hearts are knit together in a way that we love each other deeply because there's a chemistry there. And that when we hurt each other, because we will, we're quick to forgive and seek forgiveness and reconciliation. And we trust God to work. It takes a heart of humility. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know if God's calling you step up, step back, step out. But are you willing this morning? Is your heart in a position to be faithful? What's your next step? Keep loving, keep moving, love deeply, hold loosely. And I don't, you might be sitting here going, I don't, you know, this is great. You know, I, I, I don't know what God is calling me to do or I'm just doing my thing. But God, I think God has something greater for some people in this room. And what I mean by that, God has a beautiful calling for all of us. The mission field is spread all throughout. Everywhere you go is a mission field. There's no vacation from the mission but I believe that God is beginning to stir in some hearts of some people that he might be calling to full-time vocational ministry in one capacity or another. And I don't know if that's you, but we would love to talk with you and walk with you and see what God would do. But don't push that down. I was at the GCC, senior, Ian and I were the senior pastor in Wise Retreat last week and, or a week and a half ago and so thankful to be there. They love you. It's 180 pastors that just love, and wives that love you and, and love our church that we're partnered together with. But the stories in that room are incredible. Far too many to tell right now, but a couple of them. There was a guy in there that was a corporate executive for a long-term company and God called him and he, was a, he served as a youth leader. He served as a... Um, he then served as a lay elder. He then went on staff in an, an executive operational role. And then recently he, went, he 
very begrudgingly in a way, but openly very not sure that I can do this way, but I know that God's calling me to do this to accept a senior pastor position. And you'll see a picture behind me of, of guys praying over them. We prayed over every single church plan or 10 or 12 of them that we're sending out of the collective. Another story is there was a guy that went to Bible college that went then on staff as a facilities guy at a church, moved from one state to another, down to Texas, went to work for a military nonprofit while serving in another local church. And God just continued to begin to work in his life and heart in a way that he became a, a, an apprentice elder. And then God called him to church plant. And he's getting sent out right now to plant a church this year in, in Magnolia, Texas. Like God is working. And maybe your calling is, is to, in the corporate world Maybe you're calling, God is calling you to move into vocational ministry. I'll never forget the time that my dad moved from the marketplace to the ministry. It was 99, 2000. And he was a successful corporate executive for a big time company for a while. And, um, and God just gripped his heart. And I have the incredible admiration for him and respect for him. Took a 50% jump in pay cut. Took a whole, a whole lot more headaches to become an executive pastor at a church. And he did that for 15 or well, really 20, 25 years, different churches until his health conditions, his pastor a lot forced him to retire. But I just watched God work. And in my mind, God did a work in my heart to really see and clarify what matters. Now we're not all called to vocational ministry and ministry isn't just for those who get paid for it. But some of us are running from it. And some of us are running, where are you? but some of us are unwilling to live on mission where God has us in the marketplace. We need people in the marketplace because I can't get on Fort Meade, literally. <laughs> You, some of you can. Some of you, God, God says, go make a lot of money in the marketplace to invest in the mission because God's mission needs God's resources, right? And when you're in vocational ministry, I hate to break it to you, but you're not breaking the bank. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's a joy. And God provides. But God takes all sorts of people to do all aspects of his mission and his ministry. Where is he calling you? Where is he calling you? I want to encourage you to come next week. It's an exciting, exciting, exciting time next Sunday. We're going to install two local elders, and we're also going to commission a missionary from our body to go to Nicaragua. Isn't that awesome? Praise God for that. Amen. God is moving. because People are saying yes on their heart. We're going to do some special stuff next Sunday. But God isn't just sending those people. He's sending you too. Are you responding? Because missional multiplication takes all of us, not some of us. Faithful gospel application produces missional multiplication. God is working, friends. Let's, not take the, let's take the governor off and let's offer God all of us, not just some of us. I think all of us need to offer all of us, not some of us offering some of us, right? All of us, every single person in this room need to offer all of us, our time, our talent, our treasure, our checkbook, our hearts. That's what Paul is encouraging. Paul's like, you've seen me do this, Timothy. You see me get beaten, left for dead, betrayed, and go back into the city to share the same gospel because of the grace of God. Do it again. Do it again. Because our God is worthy. The third daily gospel application for our hearts as we look to multiply the mission, missionally, is this, is to persevere on mission for the gospel. The mission is hard. It is hard. People are hurting. The opposition is real. The obstacles are great, but man, the overcomer is greater, amen? Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. And on that we stand. And Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not overcome it, amen? He's the one that's building, but are you going? And in this text, Paul gives beautiful three metaphors on what it looks like to persevere on mission. And if you're here, like you want to quit, I feel you. 
I get you, I've been you. And on some Mondays, I am you. (laughs) Seriously. But there are so many stories of perseverance in this room. Thank you for continuing to serve and harvest kids in small group ministry and one-on-one discipleships, continuing to love, to forgive when it gets really, really hard and really, really messy. Thank you. That's why we need God's grace, right? We can't do it on our own. But what does it look like to persevere, to keep going, to push through when it's hard, to not choose an easy life, but choose the everlasting life and the enduring life? Because our neighbors need the gospel, but before God wants to work in their hearts, he wants to work in our hearts, in us, then through us. Here's how to persevere in and for the gospel, all in the strength of the grace of God. The first way is this fight like a soldier. Right here in the text, verse three and four. Share in the suffering as what? A good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to do what? Please the one who enlisted him. You have been enlisted and entrusted. Are you faithful? You've been commissioned and sent out. Are you faithful? Fight like a soldier means embracing the mission and getting in the fight. Get out of the stands and get onto the battlefield. You're going to get nicked. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get cut. The grace of God is sufficient The love of God covers, amen? It covers. Have clarity about the priorities. I love this. He says here, don't get entangled in civilian pursuits. How many of us are focused way too much on what the government or in Washington, D.C. does? It stops us from actually living on the mission of our God. It says that this isn't like ignore it completely, but make sure you're not getting entangled in a social media dispute when God's like, share the gospel and trust me. Where have you gotten distracted or entangled in things at the end of the day will not last for eternity or have stopped you short from living missionally? Come back, my friends. Don't get distracted. Know who you serve right here. The aim of the soldier of Christ is to please the one who enlisted him, not your neighbor, not your mama, not the president, not social media, but Jesus Christ. We live for Jesus We answer to Jesus. We worship Jesus. We proclaim Jesus. It's all about Jesus for the glory of God and the grace of God. Never leave a man behind as a soldier, amen? Always have a battle buddy. That's why biblical community is so important. Don't go AWOL. Let's embrace the mission. Second way to persevere for the mission is this, to train like an athlete. Verse five, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes, unless he competes according to the rules. Discipline, focus, preparation. If you want an Olympic gold medal, you actually got to work for it, right? You can't do it from your couch. You got to run wind sprints when everybody else is sleeping. You got to watch your diet when everybody else is eating. You got to sacrifice and you do it. Why? Because it's what? Worth it. Now the medal is great but souls are greater. Amen. Saying lives change for eternity. Yes. What does it mean? It means getting up earlier than what I might naturally want to get in God's word so that I'm living God's way and not my way. It means my prayer life is growing and Jesus is increasing and I am decreasing. It means I'm committing and I'm rearranging my schedule to what matters to God, not what I want. Less Netflix, more neighborhood discussions. It means that I am focused on what God wants and I've clarified what is the prize that really matters, which is Jesus Christ and all of eternity. Build what lasts, give yourself. Don't waste your life, friends. Don't waste it. 
Second, Paul writes a lot about this in 1 Corinthians 9, if you want to read more on this. But does your, does your whole life match this? And third and finally, work like a farmer. Work like a farmer. Farmers work hard, don't they? Verse six, it is the hardworking, not the lazy, but the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think about what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. You're like, I don't understand what God's doing in my life. And he's like, Paul's like, over time, God will make it clear, right? He will provide the understanding when it's right. There have been so many things that happened in my life that I'm like, I'm not sure how A connects to Z. Five years later, I now see. And he's doing things in my life that 10, right now that 10 years down the road, I'll be like, ah, that's why. Work like a farmer. How do farmers work? They work hard. They sacrifice. They get up early. They understand that there are different seasons, right, in farming, right? There's a season to sow. There's a season to plant. There's a season to till the soil. There's a season of rest. There's a season of harvest. In ministry, it's not going to be like, I'm faithful and man, people are coming to Christ every single day. That doesn't mean you're a failure. Keep sowing the seed. Jesus says that our job is to sow the seed. It's going to fall on a bunch of different soils, right? As hardworking farmers, keep sowing in your neighborhoods, to the nations. Keep loving when you're rejected. Keep sharing the word. Be intentional. Be proactive because God will bring the fruit. Keep digging ditches. God will bring the rain. Don't procrastinate. Endure the weather, right? Farming is contingent a lot on weather. Some seasons are drought. Sometimes there's a flood, hailstorms. God is in and through it all. He's the Lord of the harvests. You know where our church's name comes from? Harvest. Because he produces the fruit. Jesus himself says this in Matthew 9. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is what? Plentiful, right? There are people that need the Lord, right? And God will lead them to return to him as in get put their faith in him. But the laborers are few. Ain't that the truth? Therefore, what? Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Are you praying that prayer? That in your neighborhood, God would send people that would carry the word and share the love of God in your school systems, in your workplaces? Are you praying that prayer? And are you stopping to realize that it might actually be you that God is asking to be the light in your neighborhood. You might actually be the answer to someone else's prayer. They're praying for their kid that just moved into your school or your neighborhood. And God prays that, sends someone to share with them about Jesus. And he put Derek Stump in their neighborhood. He put Thomas Baker in their neighborhood on purpose because it's your mission, not mine, to go be faithful to share the gospel to your neighbor because he's your neighbor, not mine. Will you do it? Will you be faithful? There is nothing that is not intentional by God or outside of the sovereignty of God. You are placed where you are by the sovereignty of God to live on the mission of God. Will you be faithful? He will equip you and he will send you. The Lord of the harvest sends, the harvest is plentiful, but sadly the laborers are few. Friends, will you, are you willing to be a laborer for Christ? Where is God today calling you to go be a laborer for him? To work out like an athlete for him and to fight like a soldier for him? You might be weary. You might want to give up. I want to leave you with this encouragement from Galatians, from Paul to the Galatian church in 6.9. He says, and let us not grow weary of doing what? Good. For in due what? Season. That's concept of farming. We will reap again, farming, if we do not give up. Don't give up. Farmers incur doubt, droughts, right? 
the, 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 the storm comes and takes away all this crop, I want to give up or do I plant some more seeds, right? Do I sow some more? Do I do it again? And God is calling you to do it again because you know what? Our God is faithful. It goes back to where we started at the very beginning of this message. There's some not so good news, right? That our world is a very dark place. Here's some good news. He has sent you to take the light into the darkness. And here's the rest. It's the great news. Our God is faithful. And if you are not weary, if you don't grow, if, if you don't grow tired of doing good, look, we will get weary doing ministry. He will produce fruit. And maybe it's one person. Maybe it's a hundred. Maybe it's 10. That doesn't matter. The mat, what matters in your heart is you're faithful. He's done it before. He'll do it again. Let's multiply missionally as we embrace and live obediently and apply the gospel daily. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for your life and the, and the, and the ministry and the work of Jesus Christ. Father, in this moment, you've called us each to be missionaries. You have sent us out as gospel ambassadors to our neighborhoods, to the, na- to the nations. God, you've done it before. You've used Paul, you've used Timothy, you used those men and women in the church at Ephesus to make and multiply disciples. And we're asking you in this moment here in Severn, Maryland, God, to do it again. To do it again in a way that we see a harvest that glorifies your name because you are great, God, and you are worthy, God. We're asking you to go into the neighborhoods of Catonsville, God, of Crownsville, God, of Baltimore and Annapolis to see lives changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God. Do it again. And we are here, God, to offer not just some of ourselves, but all of ourselves. Forgive us for holding back, God. Forgive us for resisting. Forgive us for allowing fear and doubt and pride to stop us from living missionally. And God, we repent and we ask in the name of Jesus to send us, to use us by the grace of God to see people's lives change by the glory of God for the sake of not the name of us, not the name of harvest, but the name of you, Jesus, because you are worthy, Lord, and you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our love, God, and we love you, and we need you, and we look to you, God. So help us to fight like soldiers, to train like athletes, God, and to work like farmers to multiply disciples as we are carried by your grace and we live on mission for your glory. God, we love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.